welcome back to the Anti-Diet Club podcast. Um, this is a little bit of a different episode this week. I am here on my own. I don't have Gillian with me. So we felt like this might be quite a good thing for us to do something on our own um, on a topic that is particularly relevant and um, interesting to us personally. So we thought we'd mix things up a bit and just go for it and see what happens. Um, don't worry, with this is not how it's going to be going forward. Gillian uh, and I will be back together um, and we have some incredible guests coming up on the podcast. So um, stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, how are you all? Um, I am just coming off the back of the Easter holidays. I've had my kids at home, been juggling kind of work and um, having them around, they have gone to the grandparents for the weekend, so I've had a bit of time to myself. Um, I have been uh, watching all sorts of things on Netflix and catching up with stuff and just having some chilled out time while they've been um, spending a couple of days with grandparents. So that feels like it feels really good. It was nice to have some time to myself, but I have to learn to maybe go to bed earlier and not binge watch all these shows that I don't get a chance to see normally, but um, never mind. It's fine. So before we begin, I want to remind you who are listening that it's great for the podcast if you can rate and review us. So wherever you get your podcast, if you are able to um, and you have like 30 seconds of time, it really helps us to reach new audiences and reach new people. So if you enjoy the show, um, that would be really amazing if you could go and rate and review us. So this episode, I wanted to dive into the topic of perimenopause, menopause. Um, and there's various reasons for that. But in particular, I want to talk about diet culture and menopause. And in particular, how there's quite a hyper focus on one particular symptom. Uh, yeah, you guessed it. It's weight gain. It seems to really dominate the conversation of um our health during this time of our lives and it actually works against us because it's actually at the expense of focusing on the more important challenges and things that might be happening inside of our bodies not just externally um but as we know we're so often bombarded with these messages that the only way of managing our health and managing our success is to be thinner so i started doing some exploration around this because in my body image work, I work with a lot of people um, in midlife. I'm 43. And also in that phase of my life, I'm done growing my family. I um, have some experience of some of the perimenopause symptoms, not many, but some. Um, and so it's a really important topic for me to explore. Um, and I also provide quite a lot of input to um, a menopause event that happens locally in Bristol um, to try and change the narrative about body image and you know feeling neutral about our bodies rather than um, really hating our bodies and just focusing on weight loss. So I've been doing a bit of that so that's kind of where this topic came from. It feels quite relevant to my clients, it feels quite relevant to me at this point in time in my life. Um, so what else did I want to cover? You know, I struggled, I think when I first started looking into this, I really struggled to find resources that come from a place of neutrality, like body neutrality. I think it's also important to recognise and acknowledge that there was almost non-existent discussion on how perimenopause or menopause affects non-binary and trans folks. 
um it's very white cisgendered women that are focused you know, at the focus and the center of the discussion around menopause which is really sad to say but it, I'm not finding that surprising because of the work that I do but I think it's important to talk about that and recognize that that's a real problem it's like this assumption that nobody else um, experiences this stuff um, and the symptoms of this stage in our life and that's just simply not true the language and the representation online is you know it's <laughs> it's all it's all around women and it's just you know i'm not in the slightest way trying to position myself as a menopause perimenopause expert at all because i don't have the um medical background on this at all however from a body image perspective and you know improving the way that we can pursue health outcomes that really mean something and matter to us like that's the angle that I'm coming from. And I wanted to bring some awareness to how weight gain does seem to be this hyper focus of every conversation around this topic. Um, and how also how you can protect yourself when you're trying to heal your relationship with food in your body and, you know, stay out of that temptation of sliding back into diet culture or um, finding yourself you know, really struggling with this stuff again, where maybe you've done lots of work around this and then you hit this bump in the road and it kind of sends you spiraling back into um, food and body challenges. I also want to point out that I'm not suggesting that the all the advice out there is, you know, for getting the support you might need is wrong. That's not, not at all what I'm saying. Um, but I do think it's really important that we protect ourselves when the discussion really sticks around uh, weight gain or the pursuit of weight loss. When I'm getting messages um, back and into my inbox on my socials or my emails um, about your experiences with this, so many of you are reaching out to say that you have gone to seek help, seek support because you started to realise that, you know, you might be experiencing perimenopause, menopause symptoms and you um, when to get help and you were told to lose weight and come back. Now, I'm not surprised at that because we have a very weight-centric medical system and we know that there's medical fat phobia. Um, we did a whole episode on that with the fat doctor, which you can go back and listen to. It's one of our earlier ones. Um, and I can link to that in the show notes. But we know that exists. But what really saddens me is that that then stops us getting the help that we need. And that then doesn't make it a safe space for us to kind of go back especially you know our bodies are all different and it's this assumption that you can just go away and lose weight as if we have not tried that already you know most of us um have tried that and have tried that for decades and it's at this point in our life that we're realizing that actually that's not working for us that doesn't that isn't our story that isn't our body shape or size that's not how we are meant to be that's not how we're built and we start to make peace with that, but the rest of the world doesn't catch up. Um, so, you know, this topic of menopause has, you know, been on my mind quite recently. Um, in my 40s, uh, probably at a point where I had really, really done a lot of work around my relationship with food and my body, I started to explore tracking my cycle. You know, and I'm 
not you know and you might be thinking well why are we talking about like you know that kind of part of it which is like earlier in my life but I think this is what I want to draw attention to like when I was growing up the narrative around not just menopause but periods and you know pregnancy and women having you know hormones and all this kind of stuff the narrative was really around um how difficult it was going to be you know I grew up socialized as a woman and I was just taught that I would suffer that I would you know this I would suffer pain and you know all sorts of different symptoms that weren't like it was never pitched to me in a positive light it was now was never taught how to connect with my body I was never taught to um really like honor my cycle honor my hormones honor my you know fluctuations and all that kind of stuff I really felt like I didn't have I wasn't empowered to do that at all and my understanding of the menopause or the change, as it was called in my family, was mostly about hot flashes and mood swings. Um, and, you know, there was quite a narrative about how, you know, my family acted like menopausal women were simply just batshit crazy, dramatic and emotional and oversensitive. And, you know, it certainly wasn't something that I saw as a positive in any way. And when I did a recent talk at that event that I was talking about um, that I ran with a friend of mine, it was really obvious from the reaction of the people in the room that their experiences were really similar to mine, that they were filled with doubt and fear and confusion about what to expect because they had never seen anything other than negative um, modelled and they had never seen any kind of... Um, experience where women were shown as being supportive or understood during this time in their life um, and that really kind of made me feel like we just need to change the conversation around this stuff and we really need to have much more empowerment through this start in this point in our lives but that doesn't just come from us it comes from others as well it comes from the men out there it comes from the men in our lives in our families it comes from us talking to other women about what we're experiencing it really needs to change but also you know the narrative around women's bodies our bodies needs to change um we need to be able to connect with ourselves and understand our bodies a lot better and how they function and all these different things that were just when i was growing up it was just um it just wasn't talked about like it just wasn't discussed it was just and even when it was discussed i like i knew that the person talking about it with me felt awkward and um, ashamed and found it really hard to have a very kind of relaxed conversation. And I think so many of us are realising that now we're in our 40s and we've got kids of our own and we want those conversations to be different. I certainly do with both my kids. Um, you know, it's not just about me having a daughter. I want the conversation to be very different about bodies and body size, but also how our bodies function, how they work and how they change. Um, I think that's just so important and I think so many people are feeling the same way. So, you know, I've had quite a lot of co coaching clients in my practice who are in this phase of their life. You know, I think you tend to attract people that are very similar to you and have similar experiences. And, and that's definitely um, my experience. Um, and it's tough for them to navigate things that they had not experienced before, um, but they also haven't seen in this modelled in a positive or empowering way at all. You know, Many of my clients struggle with accepting their bodies, but particularly their stomachs, their bellies. Um, 
it's so hard in our culture to adopt a neutral mindset around this. And I think it's especially hard for people when they find their body changes quite suddenly. Um, I always, I remember, you know, somehow knowing, I don't remember how, I don't remember the exact message necessarily. Maybe it was not one message, but it was several. But I remember knowing that women's bellies, everybody's bellies, actually not just women's, everybody's was meant to be flat. We were meant not meant to have this curvature in our body, in our bellies, or we're not meant to carry any fat there. And if I did from a really young age, I had a stomach. I had a belly. It wasn't flat. It didn't go, you know, didn't go straight up or in. It went out from a really young age. So when we talk about, you know, us, you know, people having um, bellies because of pregnancy or you know when, th sometimes we just have them then it doesn't have to be because you carried a human life it doesn't have to be for any particular reason bodies just are different and we all have different bodies and I remember really or I've always had that hang up about my stomach and I've made peace with it in the last you know five years but it up until that point, it was something that I would just really, really dislike and really hate. And I see so many clients with the same feeling, the same story and the same struggles. Um, and there are many different experiences of this. But, you know, I had a particular client that springs to mind who never really actually dieted um, all their life. They actually didn't really feel that they had ever, you know, struggled um, and were very much in a body that was accepted by society. Nobody was commenting on it. They weren't in, you know, they weren't um, being exposed to like fat phobic comments or anything about their own body. Um, but when they hit that midlife point and their body changed, they just did not know how to accept that new size or shape because there was so much fat phobic and internalized, you know, anti-fat bias in them that had come from other people and beliefs about what bodies should look like and then they suddenly found themselves in this struggle because there's such a fixation on stomachs and bellies and so much talk about this especially if you're socialized as a woman it's just like the holy grail of thinness there's so much about it all the time it's on the front covers of magazines and it's so damaging and harmful because it just stops us from being able to accept our bodies and what I find really, really confusing about the midlife menopause years is that it's so it's it's talked about in a way that everybody experiences it. It's talked about like, you know, pretty much everybody will experience this weight gain and it will likely sit around our middle. And yet it seemed to be the thing that we have to get rid of. But if we're all experiencing it, doesn't that just make it something that's quite a normal part of the process? Like... We accept that when people carry, you know, go through pregnancy, their bodies will change and their stomachs will expand. It's like we have to have a reason for that. We have to have a, a physical outcome um, of that and the, for a reason for that. And that's just not that's just not the case. Um, and it really kind of frustrates me because I think so much there's so much attention on menopause at the moment which is great because it's you know become something that we are talking about because somebody you know things like Davina McCall make it you know having a platform and really talking about this stuff makes it mainstream and it highlights how much that we are being left without support and left to suffer alone but it still brings with it quite a lot of this like 
problematic language. Um, so we're starting to see some traction in terms of the conversation around it, which is great. But when I decided to go digging into this stuff, because I wanted to experience, you know, what would I find if I, you know, I'm just uh, a human having this experience and wanting to find more information about what I might be experiencing? What am I going to come up against? And I knew I was going to find um, anti-fat bias. I knew I was going to find fat phobic language and I knew I was going to find diet culture. Right. I knew that I wasn't quite prepared for quite how bad it was and you know this is in no like by no means like some sort of like amazing research or study that I've done this is just me some books some podcasts and google and I just wanted which is what most of us have right most of us aren't researchers most of us aren't going to go wading through um medical documents or anything like that we're just we're using what we have to hand and those things are the things that most people like me in this age bracket are going to have to hand it was like excruciating in some cases and I actually just stopped kind of doing it because I just I just all I want then wanted to do was just think about how I could change the conversation and how I could bring attention to quite a lot of these red flags that if you're not trained in like weight inclusive, like fat positive spaces that like you might not notice and you might not really realize. And when you've got all that internalized stuff going around in your mind and maybe you haven't done any, you know, work with anyone on this, which is, you know, quite a lot of people's story. They haven't, but they know that they want to have a more peaceful relationship with food in their body. You might not realize that quite a lot of this stuff is actually um, harmful and you may not question it because it's often coming from doctors and professionals, health professionals in this space. So let's get into what I found. Now, I'm not going to actually link to any of the books or podcasts or, you know, Google references because I don't want you to necessarily go and find this stuff. This is, you know, quite a lot of the stuff that I found was really harmful and it's not somewhere I want to point people in a direction. I also don't want to promote a lot of this work because it doesn't fit what I think we really need. Um... I think it's harmful and dangerous and I'll explain why. Um, I found books, let's start with books. I found some of the books like really quite helpful um, but there was huge amounts of fat phobic language like and when it came to that the the books were really helpful in terms of understanding what's happening in your body and um, I actually found some really um, good books that were quite inclusive in terms of um, not gender gendering this kind of phase in our life, which was refreshing. And um, that's something I think we all need to improve on, uh, me included. Um, this is not stuff that I'm immune to either. It's, you know, so I so that was encouraging. But when it came to talking about um, bodies and, you know, changes in hormones, changing changes in estrogen and weight gain and stuff, that's when it kind of takes a turn and it takes a really dark turn very quickly. It's, you know, what I find so frustrating because I wish they wouldn't link the two is they start talking about body um, being body positive and being um, like having a very positive mindset about your appearance and all this kind of stuff and then you turn the page and we're straight into intermittent fasting I mean 
you know, no, there was, I was quite shocked. There was no warm up to that. I was reading through it, like literally thinking, okay, this is okay. This is, they're talking about, you know, really not beating yourself up for how you look. Okay. It's not fat positive, but it's, it's at least getting to a place of, um, body neutrality in a way, like partially, not quite as much as I would like, but okay, we're here. And then I literally turned the page and we were straight into, um, time restricted eating into intermittent fasting and, cutting out major food groups and managing sugar and all this kind of stuff. Now, we're all different and people might be listening to this going, well, you know, these things do like this thing affects me and this food affects me. That's fine. That's your experience. And that's listening to your body. I understand that. But when we're reading this in black and white, it just doesn't allow for um, people's personal experience and what they might be going through. And I think when we start just like just kind of going out there with this idea of, oh, you need to just do this. It doesn't take into account what we might be struggling with. Um, and it's also just, it just doesn't make sense to me how we can keep talking about how we need to have all these nutrient dense foods and we need to do this and we need to do that. And then, but you know, we need to move our bodies, but you want me to not eat for 12 hours a day. Like that does make that make sense. That doesn't make sense to me. So I was quite disappointed at my first sort of deep dive into some of these books and I couldn't find um, any weight neutral fat positive books that were talking about this stuff in, a, in an anti-diet way. Um, if you know of them, if you have found them, please, 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 please send them to me. Tell me, tell me what you found because I'm really struggling. Um, I'm not seeing anything that doesn't center just white women in straight sized bodies who've gained maybe three pounds. That's all I'm finding. I'm not finding anything um, that doesn't focus on weight loss and that just doesn't focus on one body type or gender or, you know, race. It's just so um, it's so problematic. The other thing that I found, you know, with this book is that, you know, with all these uh, this advice around how to eat and what to eat, there was a huge amount of privilege attached to it, which I'd expect with anything that has the word wellness within it. But it just fails to recognize that like pursuing these weight loss attempts can really, really be a catalyst for triggering eating disorders or making them worse. So that kind of led me into like a bit of a Google search. And I started looking at what you would find online. Now, if you put in menopause, perimenopause symptoms, anything like that, you know, you're going to immediately find within the first few lines that they're talking about weight gain specifically stomach area and I hadn't even asked that question that wasn't what I typed in but yet it was there in the first like you know you when you like google stuff you get like that first um few lines of what is um in, included in that article it might just gives you like um what do you call it uh, a little snippet of what it is I can't think of the word there's an actual term for it but I can't think of it um and it just, you know, drew my attention to that, even though I wasn't searching for it. That in itself is harmful. I'm not looking for that. So why are you giving me that? Well, because we live in a, a world and a culture of diet culture and anti-fat bias. So that's why. Um, but I started to dig in, like, what can I find if I type in, you know, things about eating disorders around during menopause? And lo and behold, there was a lot of discussion, like bringing awareness to this problem and on this one particular um website it was talking about how eating disorders can come back um through menopause 
and how some people can experience um, eating disorders for the first time. And I hoped that when I was seeing that, I was going to open these websites up and a lot of them are like charity websites as well um, to find some weight inclusive language that maybe wasn't feeding this diet culture narrative. But that was not what I found at all. Um, it was talking about how the symptoms of menopause and things like sleep deprivation and anxiety and low mood can lead to um, us using alcohol to manage those symptoms and how that doesn't help with weight stabilization, which is code for dieting and code for keeping your weight within a certain BMI range, um, which is a huge red flag. You know, you can't be talking about avoiding eating disorders and then one, putting the blame on the individual and also um, talking about keeping weight within a certain range. You can't, that just, that is just to me, just not going to help um, in any form of recovery or um, supporting people to, you know, get to a place where they can help themselves and support themselves because they've always got this hanging over them that their weight needs to stay within a certain range. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. And this article went on to point out like harmful behaviours like food restriction and laxative use and all this kind of stuff. But it continued to talk about keeping our body in a quote unquote healthy weight range. And it just it just doesn't add up. And I think these the people that are writing this stuff are writing it through their own antifat bias. Um, it's like don't have an eating disorder and don't restrict food but also don't be fat don't be in a larger body like it just isn't it isn't weight inclusive at all and it doesn't support body diversity um you know at the bottom of the page there was just this one line saying uh if you're struggling with eating disorders go and see help and it was all just based on the person there was no mention of the fact that dieting and the relentless pursuit of thinness that we we're expected to strive for is actually contributing to the occurrence of these eds and the recurrence of these it's you know i just i just found it really saddening so i, I feel like this is probably not the most like positive episode angle um so if you've got this far like i appreciate it i just want to bring attention to it because i do think it's just a really important conversation to have and i'm just not seeing anybody kind of pointing this out i know we're talking a lot about um medical fat bias and stuff like that but i really want to focus in on this this phase of our life um and i have got some snippets at the end that's going to help you i promise but then i turned my attention to podcasts now i love podcasts as you know we have a podcast listen to podcasts all the time and I know that a lot of people are really going to podcasts. We're busy people. We want to listen to something while we're going for a walk. We don't want to sit down and maybe, you know, take time out of our day to watch videos or do stuff. So podcasts are the perfect thing. We can listen to them while we're working, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so I turn my attention to that because I think a lot of us are going to these podcasts for information. That's what people come to our podcast for, right? They come for information and learning. Um, and so I decided to start at the top of the tree in terms of menopause. And, um, you know, again, I'm not going to link to it. I'm not going to talk about the, the, the person or the, 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 um, guest they had on in terms of names, but 
they are at the top of the tree in terms of popularity and um influence and especially in like social media and also in medical spaces and I think that in itself really concerns me because you know their content that I found in this podcast and this is just one episode of hundreds I found it really really helpful and the red flags came in thick and fast from the beginning so I started listening to this podcast um and I found their episode about uh, weight stabilization it was called during menopause um, so I dived into it I thought right I'm just going to do this and listen to it and see what they're going to say um, they had a guest on this particular guest was somebody who worked in an obesity clinic that is red flag number one um, the fact that they were using that problematic language um, and it, you know, I can, so I continued, but I knew at that point, like, this isn't going to end well, but I didn't really prepare myself for how, quite how bad it was going to be. So at the start of this conversation, they're talking quite um, openly about how restrictive diets are just not the answer. Um, and it's not a time in our lives that we should be cutting back because it can cause more harm than good. And I think for you, you know, at this point, I'm thinking, OK, OK, this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, and I think the words they used were um, it's not a time to count calories. It's a time to eat real food. That was red flag number two, because as you know, that language is subtle. But it, to me, that really screams to um, clean eating and this wellness nutribolics that we hear all the time. And I think that in itself can go under the radar to somebody listening to it who doesn't necessarily um, work in this space. But to me, that was a red flag. The conversation goes on and they're mostly talking about um, menopause symptoms and they're talking about how hard it is to um, maintain weight loss, which is true, but they're not coming at it from the same way that I would. They're not talking about the fact that diets don't work. They're essentially talking about how people don't work. They're also talking about women at this point. So they're only focused on on women. And the people hosting this podcast are thin white women. So that's just to give you the context. But so they start talking about how it's the person's fault, how, you know, this the their clients may have um, pursued weight loss successfully sometime and then they stop doing the things that work because they hit a bump in the road. That, this is the language they were using. They were talking about how people go through like a traumatic time in their life and then they lose they lose all momentum with their weight loss and stuff. And I was thinking there's absolutely no compassion for the fact that we as human beings are going through stuff. They're talking about how we aren't processing our emotions properly and we're using food to cope and all this kind of stuff. And it's they're not they're not in any way talking about how hard it is to have a human body in a world that just only values one size and type of body. Um, there's no conversation about body diversity here. It's just literally how you get the weight off. But when they started talking about like, you know, weight maintenance and all this kind of stuff, they were talking about, you know, getting there through a quote unquote healthy way. 
which we all know doesn't really exist. It's not like we can't manipulate our bodies to be within a certain BMI range just because somebody has decided that that is what they're going to use as a measure of health. And they then go on very quickly to start recommending weight loss surgery and other very extreme suggestions for how to not only lose weight, but keep weight off. And we know that these things do not work. You know, this is why I always say that we have to be cautious about these people who we think have our best interest at heart, who we think have our health at the forefront of their mind and their motivations. But that's not it. You know, these it's it's motivated by money and statistics and, um, you know, feeding into these systems of oppression that, you know, uphold this narrative in our society that thin is best and thin is health. And to blanketly just go out there and just start talking about weight loss surgery um, as being like the root to it, just it just doesn't make sense. Because if it was really about health, if you know anything about weight loss surgery and perhaps this, you know, something that you are familiar with, it's it doesn't work long term. That's number one. We know that people do regain the weight and our bodies really struggle and fight against it. And, it, you know, it's not a guarantee for long term weight loss. But also when people go through this, this surgery, they're not able to eat in a normal way. So they're not actually able to eat, um, you know, anything other than really tiny portions of very bland food that isn't nutrient dense because they're not able to do that. So actually, if nutrition is paramount, you can't meet those nutritional needs if you've undergone this major surgery that removes parts of your digestive system. I was just left totally appalled and just really sad that not only did I just not find anything that was inclusive, I was finding really harmful content. And I found that within minutes and it wasn't difficult. I just went to the headlines that I knew would grab people who were maybe struggling with accepting their bodies and accepting um, weight gain and, you know, really kind of key symptoms. And that is quickly where I ended up is in this really like harmful narrative about what we should be doing um, with our bodies. There was no agency. There was no encouraging of being able to advocate for ourselves and, I think that's what I want. I wanted to draw your attention to all of that stuff above. And I'm sure there's so much more out there, but, you know, we don't need to keep pointing out all the red flags. What I want to do is, you know, wrap up by talking about, well, OK, if all this is out there, now you're aware that this is out there and it doesn't take long to find. If you are at this point in your life, what is the upside and how do you protect yourself with so much weight centric harmful advice that's out there and you know first things first I think we need to start thinking about how we advocate for ourselves and we need to maybe practice that in small ways at first um things like not being weighed at the doctors now I'm going to caveat this a little bit because I want to say that it's it's really hard to do and if you talk to professionals in this space you will find that they also find it really hard. We also find it hard. I don't find this something that is easy to do. I know that Gillian has talked before about how hard this is to do. So we're not sitting here saying, 
Um, just don't, just refuse to be weighed. I know how difficult that is. Um, I've had clients go through that. I've had people try, I've had people do it successfully and I've had people not so much and all these kind of stuff. So I am not erasing that experience. I know how tough this is, but if it is something that you, um, want to practice or you want to look into there are ways in which you can do that that is something that when i'm working with clients i help them with we practice it we 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 practice it like a you know a fake scenario because that sometimes is just the safest way to do it with somebody who understands what's going to happen in the doctor's surgery um but also there are other resources out there there's health sheets that um reagan chastain has and i think um fat doctor has ashalami so i will link to some of that in the show notes as well um, for you to go and find and explore. Um, and also, you know, when it comes to food and, you know, wanting to, maybe you do want to eat a bit more nutrient dense food, perhaps maybe you want to add things in. You can do all of that without cutting anything out. And anyone who tells you you have to cut out big food groups, you know, really question what that's going to do to your relationship with food and be really curious about what you are hoping for in terms of an outcome and where you know body image struggles and your own anti-fat bias internalized anti-fat bias might be showing up and kind of steering you in, a, in the wrong direction for having a peaceful relationship with food maybe even revisit some of the intuitive eating stuff if you've been doing intuitive eating for a while you're just discovering it you know dive into it again and, and kind of there's no shame in going back to the beginning I don't ever believe that we have to just be like one and done I personally myself for my clients and myself dive in and out of intuitive eating books and um, literature all the time um, and practice learning more about myself all the time and what I like to eat and what really makes me feel good and how that is changing there are certain things that will change in your life the things that you used to be able to eat or drink um will change and you will feel differently with them um and that's okay to like adjust and do things in your own way but i think you know really try and practice a food neutral approach because that will help you navigate this stuff and just always think about what you can add in not what you're taking away you know, and if you do think about going down the path of finding um, support with food, maybe you want to see a nutritionist or dietitian. Maybe that's what you need to do for um, understanding a bit more about what works for you, what doesn't work for you. But please, please, please consider using and seeking out a truly weight inclusive um, anti-diet nutritional dietitian because they are out there. I, I assure you they are out there. Um, and if you can't find them, please, please come let me know if you find someone and you want me to kind of check it over. Like if you want to say like, what do you think? Is this person kind of weight neutral? I think I have like this trained eye that's able to kind of spot some red flags um, and maybe even giving you some the right questions to ask um, and letting them know up front that this is not, you know, weight loss. If weight loss is at the um, center of the discussion that you won't continue because that's not something that you want to pursue, that you want to have a neutral, um, you know, relationship with food that doesn't lead you back into disordered eating or eating disorders. And, and you know, talk to them and let them know your experience with this stuff and where you're coming from. And if they can't support you, it will be really obvious very quickly. Um, be really cautious because these people quite often will take your money, but not actually give you what you need. And sometimes you find that out later on. So just be really wary of that but you know don't 
feel that you can't work with somebody if that's what you think you need. Um, you absolutely can. They are out there. When it comes to health behaviours, maybe when you're thinking about what health behaviours you want to pursue, cross weight loss, off, weight loss off that list because detangling this idea that thin equals healthy will allow you to actually pursue true health behaviours that really are going to benefit your life um, if that's something you want. But also remembering that health is not an obligation and it looks different to everyone. And the same with movement. If you're trying to move your body um, in a more neutral way, in a more joyful way, you can find fat positive weight inclusive spaces and um, personal trainers and fitness professionals. They are out there. Again, if you don't know um, who to uh, speak to, who to find, or you know, where to look, please get in touch because we have um, access to lots and lots of different people that can really help you you know, look after your body in a way that you want to and, you know, move your body in a way that you want to. If that's something you want to pursue, it doesn't need to be a barrier um, where size is a barrier. You don't want to have and you don't want to work with anyone where they are weighing you, measuring you, taking before and after photos. That's just so damaging. And it's not the point. You want to find something that you enjoy, um, that you're going to come back to time and time again, because it's 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 making you feel good, not that it's making you feel ashamed of your body in any way. So if you are moving through this time in your life, I just want you to remember that, you know, weight loss is not going to magically manage your symptoms or cure any symptoms. And if you are looking for, you know, weight inclusive support around food and body image, then please get in touch. I have one-to-one -one coaching options available and resources to help you navigate food and body challenges. Um, and all my contact details are in the show notes. And if you found this episode useful, um, please don't forget to follow and rate and review us. It does really, really help with reaching new people and it helps us understand what you love about the show. So I will see you next time. Uh, we will be back with either Jillian and I or uh, us and a guest. I'm not sure what's coming next, but I will see you soon.